This Dharma talk by John Sutherland, Self and Soul, Koan 1, was given at Saragorda Temple, Santa Fe, New Mexico, on April 11, 2010. Since we have a, a number of people who have uh, not much or no experience with the cons, um, I'll just say a word to you briefly about um, what they are and where they need to come from, or at least one version of that. Um, cons began to be used in China over a thousand years ago, and they've been used ever since, consistently ever since, first in East Asia, China, Japan, Korea, Vietnam, and now um, in the West, in some uh, Zen traditions. And um, initially, they were something really simple. They were reports of things that happened. They were reports of conversations that occurred among uh, pilgrims of the way, sometimes a student and teacher, sometimes a couple of students, sometimes a couple of teachers, sometimes groups. But the thing that's so interesting about them and makes them, I think, unique among teaching stories, if you think about them, you know, is they don't have a moral of the story in the way that we usually think of it, you know, that there's a point we're supposed to get. Um, they, there are records of things that happened in which there was a shift or a transformation of consciousness. And somehow, this is the really mysterious thing about koans, if we bring them into our meditation, we can experience the same shift of consciousness that is recorded in the story from 1,200 years ago, or five minutes ago, depending on how old the koan is. So that's something quite interesting, that that there are actually occasions for the transformation of consciousness, not stories with points we're meant to get. Um, Over time, because the tradition is so long, although the first ones were these records of actual conversations, the tradition began to gather in all kinds of things, like the story from the Surangama Sutra about the Bodhisattva was going into the bath. Someone saw the potential in that story to be taken up as a koan. Um, bits of poetry in there, popular songs, um, sayings. We're gonna, one of the things we'll look at today is a saying from the great Taoist text, the Tao Te Ching, that was taken up as a koan. So the, it began, the body of literature began to expand, but it is a, it is a body of literature. It's a, it, so it's as much an art um, as it is a spiritual science or technology. And the tradition is um, still very much alive today. I'm also going to take up a call that's about five minutes old, actually. Um, okay, so the koan way, which is um, a form of Zen or Chan. Chan is the Chinese pronunciation of the word that's pronounced Zen in Japanese. Uh, has, has a few assumptions that I think are important for us to have as foundational before we start. And maybe the most important assumption is that from the perspective of the Koan way, having a heart-mind is not a problem. It's not something we're doing spiritual practice in order to fix. Which is important to say because it is an assumption, I think, in a lot of spiritual practice that being a human being is really a problem and that meditation or spiritual practice is about fixing that problem. Um, 
the koan tradition comes from a completely different assumption, which is that being a human being is an amazing, rare, precious, disturbing, complicated, gorgeous, devastating experience that we ought to take full advantage of. <laughs> and that through taking full advantage of the experience of being human, we have the chance to participate in the co-creation of the world. This world we're living in is constantly being co-created by every being that's part of it. So one of the goals, to the extent we can say there are goals of the koan way, is to get better at participating in that co-creation. Removing the things that separate us from life. Um, refining our skills for being helpful in life so that we can be in. And we can be in even when it's difficult, and that's not a problem either. So just because things are difficult, what's the problem? Okay, that's kind of, that's kind of the attitude. And um, one thing you'll notice is that I said from the, the Cohen tradition, um, having a human heart-mind is not a problem. The Chinese word, there's only one word in Chinese for both heart and mind. It's the same character. So you've got the sense of a, a, a wholeness of the, of, of the self that's being spoken about. Um, that includes both the heart and the mind. So, um, one, of the, one of the koans that we often take up at the beginning of things, although we won't today, is a very simple one. There was a, a woman um, in Japan who had lost her husband at a very young age and was filled with grief. And she went, to, um, went into a temple and she asked a teacher, what is Zen? Which is a very common question, but I think the subtext of the question is, what can Zen do for me in my grief? I can't, I can't get over this. I need help. And the teacher responded, the heart of the one who asks is Zen. So there's the fundamental assumption. Know your heart-mind. Become intimate with your own heart-mind, and that's the gate. That's the way in. Not something to be escaped or... or, or Fixed, but something to be known intimately, and um, we might even say um, loved. So, if that's the our relationship with the interior world, we have the same relationship with the so-called exterior world, um, the rest of, of creation, and the, our fundamental attitude, as it is toward our own heart mind, our fundamental attitude toward the rest of the world is one of warmth and curiosity. These are what the Collins would suggest are useful ways to be in the world, with warmth and curiosity. So, um, awakening, which is an ongoing process that takes a lifetime, it's never done, even probably when you die, it's never done. Um, awakening is a natural interest in and caring about the world, which is able to be freely felt and freely expressed. And the Cohen way is all about uncovering that natural interest in and warmth toward the world, and 
showing us ways of freely feeling it and freely expressing it. It's pretty simple and takes a lifetime. <laughs> so I will uh, pass out the cons because I'm going to refer a little bit to them. So there's a, there's a bit of a progression in the poems today. And this way of um, discovering our, what, what the koans believe is our natural warmth and curiosity toward the world. Right? That's, that's our natural state, and all this other stuff gets in the way. So in order to rediscover that natural state, usually there's a bunch of obstacle removing that needs to be done. There's a bunch of stuff, mostly made out of thoughts and feelings, that gets between us and the world. And so um, maybe the first part of the con work is to clear away those, um, those obstacles. And the first con, uh, quickly, quickly, without thinking good and evil before your parents were born, what is your original face? That's a con about removing obstacles at one level. There's something there that's saying, if you wish to, here's some methods. This, this is in this one sentence. It's almost all the method you need, um, both for working with Collins and for having a good life. <laughs> and it's great that they're the same thing. Uh, and we'll, we'll go into that a little bit more. What does quickly, quickly mean? What does it mean before your parents were born? What does it mean not to think of good and evil? What is it like to respond in the moment before all of those things? And the suggestion is that the moment before all of those things is where your original face is revealed. So first there's the clearing of the obstacles by these methods that we'll talk about more. And, and at the same time, the Cohen's aren't just doing the work of deconstruction. They're also giving us moments of freedom. They're giving us moments when we are aware not only of our original faces, but of the original faces of everyone and everything we so our relationship in the world becomes more and more one of original face meeting original face. And that's really nice too. So you have, you have the sometimes painful and difficult work of deconstruction, but you don't have to wait to find out what it's like when the obstacles are gone, because those moments will come, come more and more freely. Okay, so koan introspection which is what this practice, what the meditation is called, um, is a way in which we, we bring the koans into our meditation, and we also, as, as Piper said, carry, carry them around in our pockets and bring them into life with us. And we're sort of keeping company with them all the time and letting them keep company with us. When, when we do bring them into our meditation, 
something that's different from many other forms of meditation is that cone introspection works with the dynamic quality of the heart-mind. The goal is not necessarily um, to get and stay still and quiet. The goal is to have a relationship with the koan. So you're not trying to smooth things out. You're actually trying to engage and can feel elation, distress, um, moments of great clarity, moments of complete, complete confusion. And that's all part of the process. Um, and the idea is that we live in this world, in this giant field of things rising and falling all the time. It's a really complicated, um, noisy, movement-filled, emotion-filled, thought-filled world all the time. And what we're trying to do is become at ease with the world as it is. As I, was, as I said at the very beginning, to find that through line underneath um, sound and silence, motion and stillness, all of that. And the koans, keeping company with the koans are a way to do that so that over time we no longer need the special circumstances of quiet and stillness in order to be in touch with that through line and to be in touch with the vast, roaring stillness that's under everything in the universe. And when I when I say that, I'm not saying there's anything, you know, there's something wrong with stillness and quiet. It's wonderful, and um, we also do that kind of meditation, and that's really important too. It's just that we also do this. Um, if I if I were going to ask you to take one thing away from from today, it would be that. The koans are not, despite the way they are sometimes used and misused, they are not tests. Um, they're not tests, they're invitations. So, is, is there a question there? Excuse me, yes. Yeah? Okay. Um, they're invitations, most importantly. And the nature of the invitation is an invitation to freedom. So when you're keeping company with a koan and you don't know where to start, start looking for the invitation to freedom um, and see what happens when, when you do that. Because they are not tests but invitations, we're not looking for answers. There isn't uh, a right answer to get. We're looking for responses. Because responses include not only the tradition that the cons represent, but your own experience. We're, we're working at the intersection of the tradition with your experience. So everybody's response will be their response, and that is full and complete. Um, we really value not knowing, not being certain. The goal is not to flip the light switch on as quickly as possible. The goal is to sit in the dark and see what the dark is like. So that brings us to the second koan from the data gene, in the dark, darken further. Um, what's it like if we don't reflexively reach for the light switch? What's it like if we don't think that the idea is to illuminate where it's dark? What if we imagine that 
If it's dark, if we don't know, if we can't get it yet, if we're not certain, what's it like if we stay with that and feel fully what is possible in that darkness, what is present in that darkness that we miss if we go for the light switch too quickly? Um, and then I think I think the last thing that um, that I'll say is that in the koans, in the third koan, we have this conversation. It's a kind of classical koan, where there's a conversation between two people. And that's important because from the perspective of the koan tradition, awakening, enlightenment happens in relationship. There has to be some kind of relationship, even if it's between you and the feeling of water when you step into the bath, like the 16 bodhisattvas. There's some connection in relationship with something from the world. Um, it doesn't happen, and it can't happen in isolation. So, uh, in, in Chinese, one of the ways of, one of the synonyms for enlightenment, you've got enlightenment and realization and awakening and all the things we're used to, but another of the Chinese synonyms is becoming intimate. And of course, to become intimate, you have to become intimate with something. It requires a relationship. So um, there's a kind of a playful and creative relationship with the world, which is embodied in the last koan. Um, and we'll see what we'll see what happens with that. Hold up your cushion or chair. And um, to say something that we that we often say to close about this tradition, it's about making ourselves fetchable. If it's about relationship, if there is um, something about becoming intimate with the world, we need to be open for the chance of that to happen. So the koans make us fetchable by the world, by removing the obstacles, by opening us up to um, the invitations to freedom that are there all the time by putting us into a kind of relationship with intimacy. We become fetchable, and the world is just dying to come get you. So all you have to do is just sit still long enough for it to come, and, uh, and it will. Okay, so I'll stop there for now. These talks are made available through your donations to Cloud Dragon, the Joan Sutherland Dharma Works. To learn more about her teachings and to make a tax-deductible contribution, please visit our donate page at joansutherlanddharmaworks.org.